When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On this week's episode of White Wine Question Time. I rang my dad to say, look, dad, you know, I just want you to know, albeit I'm an adult, I'm in my 40s, but I just want you to know that even though I've been with my boyfriend for 18 years, you know, we very sadly split up, I've met a woman, I've fallen in love, and I hope that, that that's okay. On a personal note, I'm still very torn about the fact that I haven't had a family. So this consumes many of my waking hours about should I adopt, uh, looking into adoption. No other journalist has ever made that, that connection and that association. And you're, you're absolutely correct. The difference is, though... The difference is a lot of body parts. <laughs> yeah, a lot, the difference is a lot of cock. A lot of cock. <laughs> it's a lot of cock. And welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is the daughter of an RE teacher and a vicar who grew up in a vicarage in Staffordshire to go on to become a writer, producer and a host of some of television's most talked about and controversial shows, steering us through super size versus super skinny, sex education, naked attraction and most recently naked education. She's also the founder of a business called Mindbox, a 24-hour online mental health support centre, which she started after finding therapy to be a lifeline for her and has even gone on to qualify as a cognitive therapist. Much like her father's work as a village vicar, she tries to put herself at the heart of communities to advise, listen and learn, be it with the shows that she makes, the businesses she runs or 
with her new podcast called It Can't Just Be Me, where she's playing both the host and agony aunt, trying to help those in need of support and a steer, all the while sharing some of her own experiences from what she calls her topsy-turvy life. So let's dial her up, shall we? It's Anna Richardson. There she is. Can I just say, Kay, I sound amazing. Who is that you are girl? Amazing. God, she sounds incredible, doesn't she? She is kick-ass. Wow, she is kick-ass. wow. It's, it's, this is like, this is your life. What an intro. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that in my real life, I have to say. That was a sort of star-spangled intro. I think as a form of therapy, everybody should have an intro written for them. So on those days where you just don't feel great, somebody reads you your intro and you go, yeah. That's a really good idea. That's a brilliant idea. It would, wouldn't it? It would just give you that little pick-you-up. That you just yeah, named. it would. It puts a little pep in your step. And you know what was interesting is I was always researching you because, I mean, full transparency, you and I have known each other for decades, Ever. right? I didn't realise how close in in style your your career has become to your father's work because you are much like a vicar. You've put yourself at the heart of a community. There's no discussion that you won't have. You're there to help, and no judgment. I think that's that's a really... Do you know what? You are the only person ever, and this is, I'd say, how bright and insi- insightful you are, genuinely. No other journalist has ever made that that connection and that association. And you're, you're absolutely correct. The difference is, though... The difference is a lot of body parts. <laughs> yeah, a lo- the difference is a lot of cock. A lot of cock. <laughs> it's a lot of cock. The, the difference is, actually, with, with my dad's work and, and my mother's work and where I am now, is that... Um, when I was growing up, there was a lot of sort of shame within within my childhood and there were a lot of secrets. So there was a lot of, you don't say that, you don't talk about this. I mean, we're talking the 70s and the 80s. So yeah. obviously if you're brought up within the Church of England, you absolutely do not talk about homosexuality or affairs or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. So there was a lot of silence within within my my childhood. So... Yes, I've emulated my dad because my dad is an amazing, in inverted commas, broadcaster. But I am unafraid, probably because of my childhood, to tackle the unsayable and to say the unsayable because I can't bear the idea of shame or being told that you can't do that. You can't say that. Well, why not? So, yeah, that, that probably has informed much of my career. I think it really has. And, and that, the, you know, that, that style that you've just, you know, that kind of, you know, refusal to not have a conversation because it's awkward has become your calling card, your professional calling card, because you can be relied upon to go in there and not flinch or giggle or titter or dismiss. You just keep, you plough on through, keep into that narrative so that all of those other distractions, eventually people tire of sniggering and tittering at whatever it is that you're presenting. Um, and there you are at the end of it going, so what have we learned? And actually, you keep people with you, Anna. That's really hard. Oh, listen, thank you so much. That's really, really kind of you to say so. That You know, that, that means a great deal. Um, yeah, that means a lot. And thank you. I, I just wonder whether it's because, again, you know, my mother was a teacher. My dad was a vicar. My brother is a teacher. I was going to be a teacher if I hadn't sort of... Yeah, you were, weren't you? If I hadn't fallen into, into broadcasting, I was going to be an English teacher. So I think that it comes as second nature to want to have an adult conversation about, yeah. about things that matter. And again, I'm unafraid 
to say, you know, we need to talk about this and we need to talk about it without shame. We need to talk about it without judgment. Yes, it can be really fucking funny sometimes, but let's just have an adult conversation. Yeah, and you can fall apart laughing, but as long as you, you know, collect yourself and carry on. Yeah, yeah. But also, I, I do wonder whether part of my passion about wanting to stand up and say the unsayable or, or my insistence on being heard, if you like, and for other people to be heard, probably again comes from, from my childhood. I've had quite some tricky events in my life, some of which I've talked about publicly, some of which I haven't. But um, certainly, I mean, you know, I've talked openly about when I was a student, when I was 20, I had an ectopic pregnancy and I didn't realise I was pregnant. And there was nobody to, it nearly killed me. And there was nobody to talk to in 1991 when it came to trauma and needing to talk about this thing that's nearly killed me. And Mm -hmm. I'm a student and I've been left at my hospital bed by my boyfriend who's basically just run off. And, you know, a lot of trauma. So I guess maybe that informs my insistence on wanting to help and allowing people to have a voice to talk about this thing hurts. So why don't we find a solution? And, you know, the one thing I can give you is respect and a voice to be heard. This is my first question for you. I'm going to dive straight in if that's all right. I'm going to pop the cork on question one. Because you really have never been afraid, especially at a time when people were, uh, to tackle difficult conversations that, you know, quite often can be drowned out because people find them controversial. And yet, you just stay focused. You keep chugging on through. You stay on track. You rise above the noise. And then you try to keep to some kind of positive outcome, be it sex education, you're, you know, talking about your own um, circumstances, for example, with the ectopic pregnancy. You, you got your scar out recently on yes. naked education to compare scars with other people that were being brave enough to show their differences or in talking about your own experiences of trauma and your difficulties with mental health. So I wondered what have been the most most worthwhile, tricky topics you've navigated both professionally and personally? Well, actually, I will come back and talk about naked education in a second, uh, talking about that scar that, that, that I showed on, on TV. But I guess to answer your question, frankly, that the trickiest topics um, probably would have been uh, partly my own fertility, which I covered in the sex education show, which I did for Channel 4. Um, I think revenge porn as well, that I did a documentary for Channel 4 a few years ago on revenge porn, which was fascinating. Um, yeah. And also, actually, more recently, Naked Education has also you know, brought up some really, really emotive topics because we're talking, to, we're talking to people about their journey with their body and how mm. their body has changed. So I guess that really, and I didn't realize it, it would, but it's really resonated with me because our bodies have changed from the day we're born until the day we die. You only have one and it changes throughout your life, whether you become pregnant, whether you become a mum, whether you have cancer, um, you know, whether you lose a limb, whatever happens to you, your relationship changes with your body. And that can be very, very emotional. Well, especially when we're all expected to conform to look a certain way. Yeah. It's like one way or or no way really, isn't it? Yeah. But those examples you've given there, you're never afraid to become part of the story in any of those shows that you've mentioned. And I love I love that you do that. 
Um, you know, you talked about your fertility, um, sharing your, your inability to have children on television. The way that came about was, I mean, so awful, Anna. Yeah, I know. And, <laughs> and I can't, you know, I commend you for allowing that footage to go out at a time when you'd just been told that you went in to have a fertility test as, as part of a show thinking, well, you know, this is all going to be fine. And, um, you know, it's all just part of the, of the script. Only to find out that actually you can't conceive and then you allowed that footage to be shared at a time when you were probably still coming to terms with it yourself. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much to say about this. If, if we just look at the events of, of that day, I mean, the, the irony of it all that, you know, I was, I was hosting a show called, you know, The Sex Education Show. My director at the time, who's a really good friend of mine, was pregnant, so very heavily pregnant. I had agreed to go and have fertility testing because I felt pretty cocky about the fact that, you know, you know, I was still firing out eggs left, right and centre. I was having periods, you know, I was fertile. I was fecund as far as I was concerned. So I, I thought, this, I have no problem. I haven't got a problem with, with being tested, you know, for fertility. And when the result came back, it went to other people first within production rather than me. And... You know, it, it, it's very interesting. It, the whole thing was quite sort of traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, that I wasn't prepared for the shock of it. However, the point being, I think, as you've just touched on, I still agreed to have those results uh, broadcast because I thought, look, if I'm going through this horror story, then there's a million other people going through this as well. And I'm absolutely mm-hmm. prepared to talk about that and be one of many, many other women that have found themselves in this situation. And I think for me, that's the point of being a presenter is people will often say to me, you're exactly the same in real life as you are on screen. Well, mm. yeah, because you are. I'm just a human being like everybody else that happens to have a job on telly, that's all. Everybody else instead, when it comes to naked education has gone absolutely batshit over the strand within the show where uh, Dr. Alex George and Yinka Bikini are teaching teenagers about the human body using naked life models. Okay, everybody has just gone bananas about that. But do you think the people that have gone bananas about it are those that have read about it as opposed to those who've sat down and actually watched it? Because I watched it and I thought it was wonderful. And I'm the mother of a child of that age. Uh. And I thought it was so healthy. And those teenagers gave me great hope in their responses and their reactions. And the fact that they sort of checked themselves and went, we have been conditioned to think a certain way. And it's the wrong way. We've been conditioned to think that penises are eight inches, that boobs are, the best boobs are the ones that look like they've been you know, implanted in a woman's body. Pubic hair is, is, is distasteful because we don't see it in porn. Mm-hmm. Is that and natural? actually, these were smart young people that were able to draw their own considered and intelligent responses. I think we underestimate young people sometimes terribly. And I thought, actually, I sat down to watch one episode and I watched three and I thought it was oh, beautifully wow. handled by all of you. Oh, th- thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Because and I, I know that, that Channel 4 and the production team will be delighted to hear that as well, because we made that show with love. And our absolute best intentions, the intention is and was to educate and inform. And there are some really, really emotional stories 
in that series. Huge emotional. This has been really meaningful for all of the contributors that took part and all of them have come back to to, to the team to say thank you so much because, you know, it, it was... It was really important for us to be able to connect and to be able to share in the way that we did. There's no shame attached for us. So I think you're right that that a lot of the people that have become hysterical about the show haven't watched it. But there are also some people who have yeah. and are still very, very angry. Now, I've got a theory about this because, interestingly, when I did the sex education show a generation ago, so we're talking sort of 12, 15 years ago, which was me going around secondary schools, teaching teenagers about sex and the body, using live naked models. Nobody batted an eyelid. It was all kind of like, yeah, you know, schools need this. 15 years later, we've got hysteria. Why do you think that is then? I think that as a culture, as a society at the moment, I think we are so angry and we have become so polarised because of Brexit, because of the cost of living crisis, post-pandemic, that we've got this this um, this sort of binary thing going on in, in in our culture at the moment, which is you're in or you're out, you're with me or you're against me. It's very black and white, isn't it? There's, and actually, we constantly live. We should try to live, I think, in a grey area where you're open to learning and changing your mind. It, well, absolutely. I mean, ha- happiness actually is is the middle way, and is having being able to hold two opinions at the same time or being able to be friends with people that have a differing opinion to you and that being okay everything's become very tribal but i think that's because life is dictated by a series of algorithms that are decided for us okay by ai as opposed to somebody having a considered conversation with somebody and saying do you know what i don't agree with you but okay it was interesting to hear that Absolutely. Or, or, or I didn't think I agreed with you. I, I, you know, I, I, I held yeah. a, a very firm belief about this. But you know what? Having listened to you or watched this, you've changed my opinion. I didn't mm. realise that. And, you know, thank you. It's given me something to think about. So yeah. we, there's none of that. There's a sort of extremity within our society at the moment and abuse. So our production team, myself, Yinka, Alex, have all received online abuse. I have never had that before in my life. Seriously, because of naked education? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've been called paedophiles. We've been, you know, th- th- there's been calls for our arrest. I mean, I've never experienced such such extreme uh, abuse, really. Um, in, in the whole 30 years that I've been doing, that I've been broadcasting and working in television. It's extraordinary. That is extraordinary because... I'm, I'm, I don't know how people have arrived at that sort of level of um, emotion having watched the programme that I watched. Because I, I, it didn't do that for me. I if anything, do you know what? I, I'm still learning. Alex George is pointing out that 90% of a male body is covered in hair. I didn't know that. Exactly. And did you know? I mean, I'm going to be... Because we I was on a WhatsApp group with a load of friends the other day going, fuck me, did you know that your anus is part of your vulva? No. I, I know. I know. I had no idea. And I was on a WhatsApp group with friends who were watching the show the other day going, Oh my God! Never really? knew that your bum was part of your vulva. Who knew? So the bog off. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also, as the mother of a young teenage boy, I really want everybody in class to be taught that the average penis size for a man in the UK, flaccid, is three inches. Erect, five point five inches. Because 
I think that for us, all the hang-ups that we have, and we're very good at talking about them with women, about the comparisons and body dysmorphia and all of that, it's very prevalent in young males. And just that alone, you know, I, I hate the idea that a young generation are being raised thinking that sex is porn and porn is sex. The two should not be confused. But I do worry that we are bleaching young minds into thinking that something that is abnormal is normal and that they therefore have to aspire to that. Um, so I, I really loved the show, Anna, and I'm sorry that you've received abuse. And, and, I, and I think that's incredibly unjust because if people sat down to watch it, um, I think they would find it absolutely an education, beautifully handled. And if you are hysterical about it, we live in an age of about 85,000 channels. Watch something else. I know, I know. It's, 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 but thank you for those, for those lovely words. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. If it's not for you, that's cool. Stream something else. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? If you have got a curious mind, stick around, because trust me, at 50 years of age, I've learned something. <laughs> every day's a school day, Kate. Come on, every, every day's, day's a school, a school day. day, babe. What about some of the other tricky conversations that you've had to navigate? Um, I know that, you know, that's something that you're going to be celebrating almost in the new podcast. And you've been doing shout outs, asking people to get in, in touch with their own stories, their own dilemmas. And you are absolutely the sort of person that I would come to for advice. You are something of a village sage, I would say. <laughs> I love that. I love the idea that we're now going into that queen age, aren't we? Now, now that we're in our sort of late forties, early fifties. If only I could remember stuff. That's <laughs> exactly. I would be the village sage if I could actually remember a bloody thing. If my HRT was only reaching parts my brain cells can no longer discover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what about? Some of the problems that, I mean, you're offering yourself up in, in the shout outs that you're doing on your Insta story saying, look, get in touch, for example, about coming out in later life. Yes. I, I, this is something I've experienced. But what are your experiences? There you are again, put yourself at the heart of the story, which I love. Well, I, I'm interested. I mean, at the end of the day, you and I are journalists and journalists are nosy and we want we want the story. We want to be part of the story. We're interested in other people and long may that reign. I find other people and their stories absolutely fascinating. And within that, we find connection. We're human beings at the end of the day. But yeah, in, in it can't just be me, um, my podcast series. It's an advice podcast, basically. And I'm saying to everybody, get in touch. It doesn't matter what you want to talk about. If you've got a problem, talk to us. I qualified as a cognitive hypnotherapist. We have a psychotherapist that's also in the hot seat. And we invite in celebrities who may have also been through something similar, but who can certainly give advice on, on the topic to come into the studio and we can work this out together so it's a bit of a, a, a confessional really but yeah I mean some of the difficult topics um talking about coming out in in later life because of course that's something that that happened to me that's right I would imagine I mean certainly because your dad's a man of the cloth yeah um I think people would imagine that he would have been quite uptight but that was quite quite the opposite actually he was he was not at all was he my dad, I have to say, was amazing. He was amazing. And I can remember when I met Sue Perkins, my, my ex-partner, now very, very good good friend, um, I rang my dad to say, look, dad, you know, I just want you to know, albeit I'm an adult, I'm in my 40s, but I just want you to know that even though I've been with my boyfriend for 18 years, you know, we very sadly split up, I've met a woman, I've fallen in love, and I hope that that that's okay. And my dad was amazing because his response, and Sue was with me at the time, but his response was, darling, you know, it really doesn't matter as long as you're happy. All I care about as a parent 
is as long as you are happy. And if yeah. she makes you happy and you make her happy, then you have my blessing. Yeah. But also you've said that, you know, as much as your, your, your house was always a very open house, by virtue of the fact that your dad's a vicar, it has to be. Um, but your mum and dad, whilst being big on community, weren't terribly emotionally open around you. It was, a, it was the 70s and we didn't talk about that much. And certainly my parents didn't talk about personal things. They were too busy as well, actually, then. And at the age of 10, I was shipped off to an all-girls boarding school. So for me, it's very, very important to be able to share and to connect and to not have any shame attached to anything, um, which is why, again, I've said, you know, I sort of insist on having a voice and giving other people a voice. Mm. Um, it's important to me. It's really important to me. And also, my, my parents ultimately didn't have a very happy marriage. So shortly after, yeah, no, they, they split. Shortly after I, I was sent to school, my parents split when I was 10. So, you know, I think maybe, again, you know, growing up in, 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 a, in a household that was very, perhaps quietly unhappy. Yeah. Kids pick up on that. Of course. Of course we yeah. do. But, but this is the point, is that even though I'm now 52... When I go home and I see my mum and dad, who still live close to each other, by the way, and who are still quite connected, albeit their marriage fell apart, you know, you revert back, you take on that child role. You revert back to being a kid. So it's always difficult to have those conversations, isn't it, with our parents that might be personal and awkward. Yeah, you're right. You do revert back to being, well, you're seeking approval, aren't you? Always. And we do that throughout our lives, whether it's with our mum and dad, whether it's with our friends, whether it's at work, we are all, whether it's online, we are always yeah. seeking approval. Because, I mean, certainly what I've learned in, in therapy and in hypnotherapy is that all of our problems come down to basically one of three things. They were pretty much all formed in childhood and it will come down to, I am not good enough, I am not loved, I do not deserve. And that comes from, you know, that, that, that comes from our childhood. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market
So when it comes to advice, I want to know who are your agony aunts and uncles that you go to, the people that you turn to because you value their opinion above all others, especially when you're stuck for what to do? That's a really good question, actually. I, I think I think I've got a hierarchy of of people. Okay, and bear with me on this. And again, it sort of reflects maybe my, my childhood and my background. So if I really needed to talk to somebody about what was going on in my life, the first person I'd call is my little brother, Ben. He is A, hilarious, B, is very, very wise, far wiser than I am, far far cleverer than I am, far more learned than I am. And he's actually, his job at the moment is um, a social prescriber. So he works within a GP surgery. And when people come in who um, who are perhaps actually, they're not, it's not that they're unwell, they're just lonely or they're bereaved or they might be depressed. My little brother is able to point them to various workshops or you know endeavours within the community that might actually give them more purpose and meaning. What a and lovely support. job to have! I know, isn't it a brilliant job? It's like being the conductor of a happy orchestra. Exactly. Go and, go and sing with them over there. They'll, they'll help you. I will tell him that. But yeah, my, my little brother, in, in a way, is yeah the, the the conductor of happiness. So I will speak to him and say, look, Ben, you know this is going on in my life. I, I don't know what to do. And he's so wise. He's brilliant. If I'm bored of my little brother, then I would probably, I'd probably move on to my therapist if it was a really, really serious problem. I'd move on to my therapist, who I've had for at least 20 years. She's known me on and off and been through various, you know, highs and lows in my life with me. Um, so I would go and speak to her. Um, and she's always been there for me. And when I need her, holds her hand out and says, okay, Take my hand. I'll walk you through this, and let let's get through this wow. together. Which is which is which is wonderful to have her in my life. Twenty years with the same therapist. Yeah, I mean, I need to make it clear that hasn't been twenty years of therapy. No, no, you go back to her. But how wonderful that you found somebody that you connected with. Because I'm I'm a huge believer in therapy, and I it always it always makes my heart sink when somebody tries therapy for the first time and they don't connect with the therapist, and then they just go. Therapy is not for me. Like, no, that therapist wasn't for you. Absolutely. It's like dating. That's a bit like going, sex isn't for me because I had a crap one night stand. You've got to keep going. You've got to find the connection. Sounds like you really did. That's valuable. That's a really good point. I mean, what, what we've learned is that in terms of uh, therapy and, and the success of therapy, 90% of it is the rapport that you have with mm. your therapist. So, you know, you're absolutely right to say that it's crucial to find the person that, that you vibe with, that you've got that rapport with, because then that trust. person can help you to help yourself. It's, it's, the tr- it's the bond between you, it's the connection. You've and, got it's somebody that's going to see you at your most vulnerable yes. and help you. Actually, it was while I was filming uh, Super Size, Super Skinny that I came across an amazing hypnotherapist called Marissa Peer. And I had a, a session with her um, uh, when I was doing this diet show, which was super size, super skinny. Which, in, in which case, again, you became the story, right? You had to do... I, I had to try a different diet every week for eight weeks to see which ones worked. And of course, you know, no, no crush diet works. It was, it was things like, you know, have the, the apple only diet or then it was a sort of chili pepper diet. Ludicrous. But as part of this, there, there was one week where I was sent to go and see Marissa because Marissa claimed that, you know, I can help you lose weight through hypnosis. And I remember standing outside her house with the crew on the street going, this is bullshit. See you in a couple of hours. Came out a couple of hours later, absolutely extraordinary, having been uh, under hypnosis, having seen very, very clearly 
the point at which I started to have a problem with food, and it was four years old, something I'd never thought about before, obviously. And mm. off the back of that one se session with, um, with Marissa, I lost two and a half stone. It was incredible. And I went on to co-write a book with her as well. So yeah. I massively believe, like you, in, you know, how does the mind work? How can I harness this power? Actually, I need to get the knowledge myself so that I can understand yeah. and help myself in future and help other people. I think that's the journalist in us. Like when somebody when somebody shows you a magic formula, my my first reaction is always to sort of want to lift the bonnet on it and have a good rummage around to see how that works. Yeah. And I think it was the same for me with therapy. Um, and the irony is, is that, you know, talking therapies, the, the key to success is listening. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, and exactly. And it goes back as well to, you know, you, you and I do podcast series and certainly the one that I'm doing right now, you know, it can't just be me, which is an advice podcast. People will always say, what's the best bit of advice you've heard? Or what's the best bit of advice that, you know, you, you can give? And actually, sometimes with advice, it's just listening. That person just wants to be heard. So we're coming full circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the show, which is everybody has a voice, everybody wants to use it, or they should be allowed to use it. And some people are being told they're not allowed to use it. So in some yeah. cases, it's just that people want to be heard. You don't necessarily yeah. have to dish out your fix it. It's just, I've heard you. And it's interesting to me that you've got, I mean, like 20 years with the same therapist. I mean, that has to be probably one of the most successful relationships you've ever held down. It certainly yeah. qualifies mine. I know, I know, right? God, I've, I've not thought about that. You're right, God. She, she's she's uh, the person I've known, uh, had a relationship with for the longest. You're, you're absolutely right. And yes, Charlie was what eighteen years. Yeah, so I was with Charles for eighteen years. Yeah, Sue for about eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. I've known, known my therapist through all of that. I always tell my agent, "You're my most successful relationship." <laughs> <laughs> Twenty-three years, he's been driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> Oh, good lad, good lad. Exactly. But isn't, so you've got your brother, you've got your therapist. Yes. Who else is in your cabinet of, of wisdom? Um, I would, so moving up my hierarchy of advisors, I would then probably go to my uh, my teacher who, who taught me hypnotherapy. So Trevor, Trevor Sylvester is his name, and he runs the Quest Institute and is one of the most extraordinary teachers, actually, and therapists I've ever met. So... I don't think I've, I've, I've met anybody with, with the wealth of knowledge that Trevor has. Wow. So I, I think that if I was really stuck on something, I would have moved up the ladder past my therapist to Trevor to talk to him about how can I now help myself with this particular issue. And then at the very top of my ladder of advisors, if I was really stuck or looking for a much bigger picture, I would then go and speak to my shaman. Your shaman. Yes, indeed. So who, I, I who think is your shaman? Pray tell. Got a wonderful, wonderful shaman called Anna Hunt. Who actually, th this this would tick your box. She's an ex journalist, but she is now a shaman and and has a book out called I think it was the Shaman in Stilettos. But she's <laughs> yeah. So she's she a one. Great. She's amazing. So, so she's you know, like your Yoda. She's my Yoda. So she trained in South America somewhere, you know, left journalism and said, this is a fool's game and got more into the whole sort of sort of spiritual journey, trained in South America. And she now is a, you know, fully shamanic shaman um, and energy healer, basically. So I would go and see Anna and talk about how can I shift the energy 
around this particular situation? How can I shift my mindset, my energy mm-hmm. in order to shift what is going on with this particular crisis that I'm having? And um, if needs be, I might then also do a San Pedro trip to try and speak to my ancestral guides to talk about what do I need to do? So I can, I, listen, I can go full on from talking to my little brother all the way up to chatting to the angels if needs be. I'll use anyone. <laughs> You've got a stairway to heaven. <laughs> I literally have got a stairway to heaven. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because, I mean, and, and how brilliant to have um, so many people that you, you know you can go to. You've collected very well and very wisely. I think that everybody needs to have, and this is what I, I say to people that talk to me in, in terms of issues that they're having or if they want advice or, you know, certainly from a hypnotherapeutic point of view, is... Everybody should have their own little toolkit mm. around them. This is what we should all learn. We should we should be learning it in school. You know, you have the answer inside you. We all have the solution. It's just the ability to be able to access that and know what to do. You're totally right. And sometimes it might just be as simple as learning how to breathe your way through something. Yeah. What I started to say in my perimenopause or kind of fog was, I'm going to worry about this in an hour. And then I genuinely am leaning on all of the shortfalls of perimenopause because, of course, I won't remember it in an hour. Oh, that is... I love that. If it's worth worrying about, then I'll worry about it in an hour. That's I'll worry about it in an hour. Yeah. Between now and then, I'm just going to park it and then guaranteed within an hour, you're onto something else. Can I just say, and that, that's my attitude towards verrucas and warts. <laughs> I think they're attention seekers. So if you just ignore them, you you'll notice. And you've you've got you've got a son. You will notice. Do you know what? They do eventually go away on their own. And most of the stuff that you buy to treat them does nothing. Because you're giving them attention. The more you try and treat them, the more they're like amazing. I'm now going to multiply. But the minute you ignore your veruca, just like your worried thought, eventually they fuck off. <laughs> Full stop on that one. Thank you. <laughs> My third and final question for you now. You said that you wish you'd been better prepared for perimenopause. And I really couldn't agree more. Mm. But I wonder, what else in life do you wish that we were better prepared for? The stuff that we could easily prepare for if we just knew to educate ourselves? Death. Yeah. So... I mean, again, maybe I'm 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 picking back up on on my childhood and and you know where where I came from. But obviously, I was surrounded by being brought up in a vicarage. Our house was was built on a graveyard as well. Yeah. So you know, I was surrounded by by that. But we we don't talk about it, and we're particularly bad in this country at gr- dealing with grief and with the end of our life. Um, so I I wish that as a as a culture. And a society, we were better prepared for talking about it yeah. um, and accepting that death is part of life uh, and that and that accepting, I, I hope, that maybe it's something not to be scared of. I mean, personally, I'm very frightened about it. So, and yet my dad, who, you know, he's getting on now, he's not a well man, he has vascular dementia. Mm-hmm. But when I talk to my dad about, you know, come on, dad, what, what do you reckon happens when, when you die? My father is absolutely clear when he says, well, I know where I'm going and I'm going to the company of angels. And I'm cool with that. 
He, he absolutely is unafraid. So, you know, I, I am very envious of, of people who feel very comfortable with it. And that's I think faith, that, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's, that's faith. That, that is faith. Um, and it's interesting, I think, you know, when my son comes home from school now, and he does, they don't call it RE anymore, as your mum would have taught it, it's theology and philosophy or something. Okay. But he comes home and it's broadened his mind. I was never taught at school about any any other religion apart from Christianity, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, maybe a bit of Catholicism, but, you know, we didn't understand about any other cultures, any other religions or faiths. And yet, it's such a shame because there's massive learnings in them. I mean, you can, you can choose to take nothing from them. Um, but I think culturally, when we step outside of the Christian faith, um, the way they are, uh, deal with death, celebrate death. Yes. Um, remember the dead. Um, yes. We could learn an awful lot from that because we are quite buttoned up when it comes to popping our clogs. Well, I guess I guess we're still very Victorian, aren't we, in, in, in the UK? Um, yeah, with that idea of... of sort of hearses and horses and coffins and, you know, whatever. And a very high church, if you're Church of England uh, or, or Catholic, um, very high church sort of ceremonies. When actually, where is the celebration? Where's the party of this person's life? Where's that idea that, that maybe, you know, you live with the dead. You know, you don't just forget about them. I, I don't know. I, I just think that, that we, we should be doing it. We should be doing it better. We should yeah. be doing it better. It's interesting. I had um, Prue Leith on the show recently. Oh, yes. She talks about, you know, her determination to find a dignity in dying and having yes. a say in when, as and when you would like to go. Um, and obviously, 83 is probably something that's far more of a burning issue for her than it is for you or I, let's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's hope, absolutely. But then at the same time, I think at our age, you know, when you're menopausal as well, you're looking at the second half of your life mm. um, and that includes obviously aging. So you, you do start to pause, don't you, at this age and go, how do I want my life to be in its second half? Um, and how can I do it well? You know, like literally you do it. I mean, I've just turned 50 and you just realise that there's more road behind you than there is in front of yeah. you. <laughs> just that's the maths, right? And you're like, yeah. that, that gives you a newfound sense of respect for time. Yes. Like perimenopause has stripped me of my ability to read. And much I can't assume that I'm going to be able to see much in the years to come if I keep uh, well, deteriorating at this rate. You and I are both wearing specs. Are you onto the reading specs then? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for, for anybody listening, you know, who's below below 50, believe me, I had 20-20 vision. One day Same. you wake up, exactly, you wake up and you can't see. That's it's just literally. a fact of life, but it's boring. I, I used to be able to read the name of a lipstick on the bottom of a tube. Yes. That would feel like I'd won a gold in an Olympic something now Absolutely. if I could do that. That's a that's a magical power that I no longer possess. Yeah, that's a memory. And I wish that I had been better. The thing is, you and I, right, we were both pretty well prepared for menopause because we talk about it, it's part of our job, uh, we're journalists. Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, we've been, I don't know, locked away in a job that hadn't exposed us to this yeah, in any yeah. way, shape or form. And yet it still came as a horrific surprise to me. And I just wish that the se- I wish that the seeds had been planted almost at school, that you teach you know, in a class of, of teenagers that women bleed and they start their periods. Well, what about when they stop? I didn't even know what perimenopause was and I was in it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right that, you know, with the sort of woeful sex education that, that we've had and, and to an extent still have, you know, you learn about uh, you know, childhood and then you you have your periods and then you might have a baby mm-hmm. and then your periods stop and then you die. And that that's all you, you really know. We, but they didn't even tell me about the period stopping thing. I was never taught that at school. Well, we were told, weren't we? I mean, it was sort of alluded to that, you know, your mother's going through the change. There's always that, wasn't there? Sort of grey-headed whispered. I mean, my poor mum, I think back now, how my mother's generation dealt with it. My mum had a terrible early menopause, and I remember it really well. And I, I just really wish now that I had a time machine so I could take it back and just douse her in oestrogen and and, and lessen her suffering. Well, and that goes for generations of women before, doesn't it, when you think about it? I mean, we are incredibly fortunate that we now have a wealth of HRT, should we want it and need it. Um, Unless there's a shortage. Unless there's a shortage, probably because I've got it all. But, um, (laughs) yeah, when you think about our mothers and our our grandparents, that wasn't available to them, or certainly not not in the kind of um, variety that, that that we have now. But, you know, it is... I know it's to be celebrated. I, I, in fact, funnily enough, I attended a, a conference on Saturday that was about about the menopause with a, an amazing therapist called Pat Duckworth, who's a bit of a specialist in it. Um, and she was saying that we ought to change the narrative a little bit around menopause, that all we hear is the misery stories yeah. in the media, when actually there's a great deal to celebrate around it. And it did, it did sort of, as we were saying earlier on about trying to hold two different thoughts, two different opinions in in both your hands. On the one hand, I think menopause is fucking awful. I've I've had a horrible, horrible menopause. Um, But at the same time, I respect what Pat is saying, which is we also should celebrate it because it can be wonderful. It opens the door to the second half of our life where we're free and we don't care to a greater or lesser degree and that we can achieve incredible things yeah i think as long as you've got control of your mind and your body yeah then i i, I agree with that but when you wake up and you feel like you know one of 15 personalities is inhabiting you at any diff- any given time yes um and your body hurts and aches or it's inflamed all of those things once you get through that i like you and i saw something you'd done which i wanted to get to I wanted to find all of the answers. And rather than just talking to other women who were going through this, I want to speak to women who are at the other end. Yes. And that's, I'll tell you what was extraordinary. It's because it feels so um, absorbing and consuming, consuming is the word, at the moment for, for me, and I'm, I'm sure for you with where you're at with it. But when you go and speak to women in their mid to late 60s, they go, oh, God, you, um, oh, yeah, did I? Yeah, I remember that. Did, did I? What, what, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it's a footnote. Yeah. Whereas some days it can feel like the end of you. <laughs> and as much as I find great comfort in wallowing around in the menopausal mug with all my sort of menopausal women, like a bunch of hippos, you know, looking to cool off somewhere. Yeah. Um, I really need to see those witty, sassy, older women that just go, oh, it's brilliant over here on the other side of it. It's, it's, you're right that we are, we are the, the elders of the village and actually, you know, we're full of wisdom and uh, life's experience and we're having a, wonderful time yeah 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 it will it, it will all be well all will be well oh. um in terms of what you do next i mean 
what is on the agenda? What is on your menu for life? Because you've, you've done so much and so well with it. Um, do you know, I mean, this is this is something I'm, I'm pondering and, and you and I talked uh, off, off mic a little bit about this. It's something that I'm, I'm really thinking about in terms of, you know, what, what are the things I want to carry on doing? I love broadcasting, so I want to carry on doing that for as long as I can. And I, uh, I'm a journalist by heart, so I want to carry on connecting with people for as long as I can. On a personal note, I'm still very torn about the fact that I haven't had a family. Mm-hmm. So this consumes many of my waking hours about should I adopt, uh, looking into adoption, and and what that what it means to be a mother and to be a parent. Um, so that consumes me at the moment because I'm very. Com- and where are you with that? Well, I mean, and I know you've, you've you've made inroads in terms of looking at what the possibilities are, but is yeah, this you're I've, wanting I've, to pursue? I've made some inroads into it. I mean, look, the the fact is in the UK, adoption is a complicated, it's a lengthy and complicated process. Hugely. And and it should be, I rightly think. as well, yes. Rightly, rightly, because you, you you're placing very um, unnurtured children and some children with a great deal of damage um, with prospective parents, and you you know you have to make sure that that those parents uh, uh, fit the bill basically. So I understand why it's very very lengthy. Um, so I'm at the very beginning of of that journey and just wondering about my own capabilities really, um, and. That life change, if that makes sense, from from being a non-parent to potentially a parent mm. of an adopted child. I'm interested in international adoption as well. So th- th- there's lots of lots of things going on in my head around: is it time for me to be a parent, and what does that look like? So that's what's going on. Oh, I mean, it's the most exciting, thrilling, wonderful, difficult, demanding, awesome thing I ever did. I think you'd love it. And I think any child placed in your care would thrive. Oh, bless you. I, I really I think do. This, this is the point, Kate, is it's wonderful to, to hear you say that because I guess I don't want to get to the end of my life and think, what if, you know, I should have and that I never did. So, yeah, I mean, I think if, if you're, if it consumes you in the way that it sounds like it does, then there is a longing there. There is... Um, a calling. Um, I mean, I sit here now as you know, the, with my son and my experiences as a mum. I'm almost grieving my years as, a, as as the parent of a young child that needed me and climbed on my lap and you know wanted cuddles at bedtime, all of that stuff. Because when I look back, when you talk about that deathbed moment, those are the moments that. I value above all others. There's no stage in the world yes. that will ever hold a light to those magical moments. So, and that's just, but that's just me. I mean, I am now the sort of woman that whose ovaries weep when I see a buggy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I need to pull myself together um, whilst encouraging him to don't leave it too long. I'd love to be a grandmother. Oh, God, how wonderful. But I think that this is it. You know, we all, I guess most of us, inherently have a need to nurture, don't we? That You know, mm. we're, as humans, we're tribal and, and we are about society and connection so, yeah. and family. So, so, you know, there's a need. There's a need but for connection and nurture. Equally, I, you know, I have friends that say, 
I might try and have a baby. I, I mean, I don't really feel the need or, or the want for one, but, you know, time is ticking. You know, I think it it is life-changing, right? If, if it's not something that you feel compelled to do, yeah. then don't. Because <laughs> yeah. it will turn your head on its, you know, your life on its head. But in ways that I think have, have been hugely educating for me as well. I've learned so much from my son um, and from being his mum. That's the thing, you learn so much about yourself and ultimately, you know, the fact that you are nurturing this this little this little person. You're building a child, aren't you? And and yeah. encouraging them to be a good human being. I mean that's you that you, it's like at these years now you start to see a return not return on your investment, but you, it's almost like I can see all the stuff that he's that's been poured into him is now coming back out. Um, I see the way he represents himself. He holds himself. You know, he can be very impressive. No, the, well, the, this is it. You, you've built, you've built a little boy. So, so yeah, that that's what that's what but, goes on. But my there's head. nothing to say that you couldn't too, and that you wouldn't find it hugely rewarding. Um, but it's never. I mean, it's, it's never without challenge. But you love a challenge. That's true. I do love a challenge. You heard it here first with Kate Thornton. I love that. You love a challenge. I do. Love a challenge. I'm really looking forward to coming on and uh, trying to mine my own mind for some wisdom to to help on your podcast. Um, and I think, you know, I just can't believe you haven't thought of doing this before because you are the village sage, Anna. But you were that, you know, in a pair of high heels and a bright pink bra strap back in the 90s when I first met you. I remember you had the amazing coloured underwear under your vest tops and stuff. Um, you always had quite the sass. Um, it's about time that other people got to benefit from some of that learned experience. Oh, well, listen, I can't wait to have you on the show as well. And thank you so much for having me on here again. I, I, I love this. I love the show. We've got so much to talk about. And um, I think when the mic is off, I'll see you in the pub. Damn right you will. <laughs> God, I've sounded more excited. <laughs> I know. And if, um, if any of the conversations that we've had on this podcast have um, piqued an interest in you to better understand yourself, you can always pop your dilemmas over to Anna on It Can't Just Be Me. Um, you can also try her brilliant 24-hour mental health hub. It's called Mindbox, and there's all manner of services available there for people that maybe just want to take the first step on the ladder of understanding what it is to get a little bit of help to help yourself. A huge thanks to Anna. Don't forget, you can also listen to her podcast, It Can't Just Be Me, wherever you get your podcasts. And for more conversations wrapped in wisdom, you can find episodes with Anna's co-host on Naked Education, Dr. Alex George in our back catalogue, as well as newsreader turned therapist Kate Silverton, life coach and TV and radio presenter Nikki Chapman, and former loose woman Andrea McLean, who's also left a career in TV to pursue her work as a professional coach. Oh, and good news. We've started dropping a brand new mini mid week episode every Tuesday featuring some of the very best bits from some of our very best guests. It's called Something from the Cellar and it brings up vintage cuts served to your feed every Tuesday afternoon. So to make sure you don't ever miss an episode, please ensure that you're following the show or subscribing. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you Friday. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.